Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Here today with my friend Mike Strickland. This is a Phoenix episode. We're talking about rising from the ashes. We're talking about uh, finding success after failure. And so, Mike, really appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Uh, Mike is the designer uh, from Outer Limit Games, uh, the designer of a game called Tau Seti. It's a space game. Uh, that funded on Kickstarter with with pretty good success, made over a hundred thousand dollars in your recent Kickstarter campaign. But the first one wasn't wasn't so successful. We're going to get into that in just a minute and talk about uh, how to really create a Kickstarter campaign that that works and works really well. And learning from failure, learning from what didn't work. Uh, but real quick, Mike, just tell the folks what what your game's about. Give me the uh, the the synopsis of your game. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, it is a four X game. It's a sci fi game, um, so you know a lot of people will compare it to Eclipse, Twilight Imperium, games like that. Um, but we we wanted it to stand out a little bit. Um, so what we did is we kind of threw in a more cooperative element, and that really came in uh, when we did our le- our second Kickstarter, our relaunch. We kind of reworked it uh, to kind of differentiate it from other 4X games out there. But basically, it's a cooperative 4X game. It's also got a little bit of a competitive competitive uh, nature in it. Um, it's very much centered on an economic in- engine. Uh, there's a lot of asymmetric powers between the different alien races, uh, a lot of strategy. There's you know some dice rolling, so a little bit of a mirror trash as well. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of mostly strategy, maybe I'd say 80% strategy, 20% luck. Uh, but basically, it's it's centered around a story of. Uh, six different alien races, including the Terrans, that sort of came together in a time of galactic declension, and they traveled to this star system. There's like a mysterious signal that leads them to the star system. They don't know why it's uh, leading them there, but they all kind of settle on the planets. They terraform the planets in that system, and they sort of form this alliance, and they start trading among each other, um, and they all have their own you know, com- comparative advantages. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, these, these mysterious crises start happening, you know, like geophysical crisis, biohazards, different things start happening on their planets. Uh, so they all try to start working together in tandem to sort of resolve these crises, and that's where the cooperative element comes in. Uh, but there's also a lot of exploration going on. You're exploring the outer reaches of the star system for knowledge. Uh, you're, you're hiring specialists as part of your crew to sort of help you, uh, you know, utilize that knowledge and resolve the crisis. You have interplanetary missions that you're uh, tackling. Uh, you're trying to build orbitals and establish uh, trade among your civilization. So there's really a lot of stuff going on. Gotcha. In the game. Yep. Gotcha. And so where did where did this idea come from? Like, did did you play Eclipse and go, I can do that better, or like, where where, <laughs> where did you get the idea? Um, you know, we've all, my, you know, if, as you know, my dad and I did this together, this project. Uh, we've always been sci-fi nuts. You know, we love the old uh, classic '60s sci-fi movies. Um, so we kind of got inspired by that whole, you know, theme. Um, and we wanted to, you know, we love games, so it's it's uh, it's been something we wanted to do for a long time. But we wanted it to be something kind of that epic feel, you know, like a lot of stuff going on. We wanted it to tell a story. We didn't want just, uh, you know, a game. We want to, you know, uh, sort of tell a story. So we kind of started with the story. Actually, we started writing sort of a backstory, and that's kind of like where the game kind of was derived from that. 
Gotcha. And about how long did it take you in the process of the design? How long did the uh, the game take? Uh, it took us honestly. It took us about, I would say, a little over two years. Yeah. Uh, we started back in, uh, I think it was like September of 2013, and uh, and you know even then you know we we launched our first Kickstarter. That was about two years mm-hmm. from that point, and then we took another six months after that to sort of revisit it, redevelop it. Uh, that's when we had uh, Joe Pilkus, our co-designer and developer. He jumped in, uh, gave us lots of ideas. We kind of tr- transformed the game at that point. Yeah, I love Joe. Joe's an awesome guy. He's he's helped a lot of people, including me, with, with different ideas and game designs and whatnot. So. Yeah, Joe is awesome. We love Joe. Yeah, and so all right, let's, let's get into that first Kickstarter. So your first Kickstarter was June of 2015. Do I have that right? That's right. And so... You know, and looking at the page, it looks pretty good. You had some good art. You had some good pictures. The cover looked pretty good. Um, you know, it wasn't Fantasy Flight or anything like that, but it looked good compared to, man, the vast majority of Kickstarters that, that are coming out nowadays. And so what what made you, first of all, what made you want to do Kickstarter as opposed to trying to get it traditionally published? Well, I mean, there's there's various reasons for us. Uh, it was... It was a matter of getting funded to, you know, produce the game, mass produce the game. Yeah. Uh, obviously, a game like this is very expensive to to, to manufacture. Um, so, you know, just going by like a print on demand, like uh, the Game Crafter or something like that, it wasn't as feasible. We needed to do, you know, a larger print run, uh, and also, you know, garnering the market, to, you know, checking out and seeing what our market support would be for a game like this. Um, you know, Kickstarter is a good way to gauge your 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 individual market. Right, yeah, absolutely. You can you can test the water, so to speak, without investing. You know, you can invest a few hundred dollars or a thousand dollars as opposed to fifty thousand dollars, and know and know if somebody's going to buy your product. Absolutely. So, so you launched the Kickstarter. How long did you work on that first Kickstarter campaign before launch? Um, I started setting it up. I believe it was sometime in February of that year, uh, February two thousand fourteen or two fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, and. Um, we launched in, in June. So, you know, starting setting up the page, probably, you know, at least four, five months. Uh, yeah. Four months. I so you put that. time into it. You weren't one of those guys that like, yeah, I started on Monday. I launched the thing on Wednesday. And right. I don't know. I don't know why I didn't fund. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> and so you put some time and effort into it. Um, you know, like I said, you had, you had paid for the art. You know, you weren't just getting on there and saying, hey, I have this idea. Like you had a functioning game. Right. We gave it a lot of thought. We did a lot of research beforehand. Yeah. Um, you know, spent a lot of time on Board Game Geek, getting feedback from various people, different forums there, uh, building hype, you know, over the two years. So, yeah, we put a lot of time into it uh, initially. Right. And to be fair, you know, looking at the numbers, so, you know, you canceled the project uh, before, I guess, it before it unsuccessfully funded. But when you canceled it, you had 384 backers and you had raised $25,091. That's that's not that bad. Like it's not like yeah. nobody showed up. It's not like it was just you and your mom that liked the game. I mean, almost 400 people said, "Yes, I want a copy." 25,000 and $25,000 will fund a lot of projects that that you see on Kickstarter. A lot of projects are going for 20 grand, you know, whether or not that's exactly how much they need or if they really need more or whatever. And so you did pretty good. Uh, but what ultimately what made you decide first of all to cancel it? Uh, as opposed to letting it kind of end, uh, what went into that? And then uh, just kind of talk about the feeling and, and you know, where you were at uh, during that project and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, well, I think, um, 
obviously, you know, we, we waited till the very last minute to cancel. Okay. Um, we waited about two hours before the project ended. Um, obviously, we needed about, um, I think it was like 15000 or so uh, at that point um, to fund. And we knew we weren't going to make it in the last two hours. Right. Um, so we decided to cancel uh, as opposed to letting it just end and kickstarting unsuccessful funding. Okay, so it's a kind um, of a psychological thing. It's a psychological, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, we got feedback from some of the uh, forums on face, Facebook, some of the groups. Uh, I believe it's uh, Kickstarter Best Practices mm-hmm. or one of those groups. I, I sought feedback. Um, you know, what is the best way to do this? Should we hit the cancel button? Should we let it, you know, run through? And it was, it, you know, came down to being more of a psychological thing. It just looks better if it cancels uh, as opposed to unsuccessful funding. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, well, let's talk about kind of your feeling during that Kickstarter because you know it's it's such a roller coaster. I've I've done a couple Kickstarters, uh, so I know the feeling of the the up and down, the emotional stuff you go through. And I mean, looking at your numbers, that first day you had over a hundred people back. So I mean, you had to be just going out of your mind. Like, this is going to be was. awesome. I was, you know, it's funny because. You know, I, I researched a lot before this, and you know, there was like I, I forgot where I read it, but they were saying that you need to have at least 50 backers on your first day uh-huh. to get into the algorithms of Kickstarter, and you know, to get you that good momentum that you need. Um, so that's really what we were shooting for for that project. We were shooting for at least 50 backers on the first day, and we ended up doubling that. So you know, it was it was really exciting. Yeah. We were like, wow, this is really good. We're gonna make it. You know, we're on a good start. Right, you start you start dreaming of stretch goals and like what you know how how can we make the game better and all that. But then, but then what happened? Then the second day rolled around. <laughs> uh, by about that afternoon, it just like completely died. I think we launched it was on a Thursday, so it was that Friday afternoon, and it just dropped out. I mean, uh, everything just came to a halt really slow. Um, you know, we knew the mid campaign things would slow down. We were expecting that. But we weren't expecting it to happen so quickly. Yeah. Uh, so it was like, oh no. Then the week, when then we went to the weekend, and it was even worse. And then we started kind of becoming, you know, getting into that realization state, like looking at the graph, get kick track, and saying, oh no, you know, if we continue with this trend, we're going to have a rough time yeah. uh, getting to that forty thousand. You know, we weren't. We we're only about twenty five percent at that point. Right now. Were you getting any feedback from people during that time of, of why people weren't showing up on, on day two and beyond? Uh, we weren't. We weren't yet. Um, it was mainly just uh, we were feeling the sense of sort of, I guess, um, non-excitement. Was The excitement was starting to fade a little bit maybe among the backers. Maybe they were losing a little bit of hope and you know um, because it wasn't quite going at that same momentum it was the first day. Um, so that was kind of bouncing around. Gotcha, man. That's tough. Like, I can't even imagine being so excited and then and then that next that next day. You know, people talk about that mid campaign slump, but that usually takes a week, week and a half, something like that, where you hit that middle where it's just almost flat. If you look at the numbers and you look at the graph and the and the charts, but to hit that at day two, and so so for the rest of the campaign, people just kind of trickled in. Is that what happened? Exactly, just kind of trickled in. Yeah, so. Uh, we were pretty much, you know, uh, scrambling to come up with ideas, and that this is one area we hadn't planned for mid-campaign. What are we going to do to keep the momentum going? Right. And uh, so we were scrambling for ideas, you know, things to keep people excited, motivated, keep the, you know, people coming in. 
uh, looking for various interviews, um, you know, uh, articles, putting, you know, sending articles out, whatever we could do to get exposure at that point. Yeah, and I think that really speaks to how important it is to have a plan going in of what you're going to do in that middle time when it is kind of dead, when it is a grind, when it is hard. You know, already have blogs or podcast interviews or whatever scheduled to. It's very true. Yeah, to kind of keep the momentum going because everybody hits this slump. You know, it's not like it's it might happen, it might not. No, it's going to happen where people are excited on the front end. They're hopefully coming in in big numbers on the back end, but in the middle, it's so difficult and so so you get to the end did you have a big big rush at the end uh we had a little bit of a spurt but Mm -hmm. it wasn't like you know you would expect yeah and i think that it was attributed to the fact that we were so far you know fifteen thousand dollars from our goal people just knew okay this isn't going to make it we're going to need a lot more than a last minute rush to to make this happen Right. To be fair, I mean, people like to, they like to back a winner. You know, they want to exactly. bet on they want to back the a project they know is going to fund. Yeah. And so that's, you won't, I don't know what the number is exactly, but I'm sure it's some scientific formula has figured out what percentage you need to be at by the last few days uh, if you're going to get there. And man, okay. So, so you get to the end, you hit the, you hit the cancel button. And then what, what was, what was going through your mind? What were you thinking? Did you want to just walk away? Or were you like, you know what, I'm done. We'll go do Yeah, you know, you kind of those those thoughts go through your mind, but you know it was something we had put so much time into. You know, we're talking two plus years, um, so we knew it's definitely something we're not going to walk away from. Um, we knew, okay, this this is something we need to pursue. Um, you know, you you feel frustrated, you feel confused. Um, at that time, honestly, we didn't know exactly why it didn't make it. Uh, we knew obviously that the the momentum dropping out in the second day had a big big factor in it. Um, so we knew we needed to revisit uh, our numbers, our goal, all of that. Uh, but as far as the you know other reasons, we didn't really know why at that point. So uh, we sort of took a step back and we um, we decided to gauge our community, gauge our backers, um, gauge the market, and get feedback. And that was probably the you know the best thing we did um, as far as understanding what exactly happened, what went wrong. Right, because you had, I mean, 384 people that raised their hand and said, I want a copy of this game. And so, man, that's that's so true. It's so valuable to have that group of people that now you can go and say, okay, how do we make this game better? You're the people that really want it. What what do what do you want? How can we improve this game for you? And then assume that that's going to bring in more and more and more people. Uh, and like I said, you, you raised 25 grand. I mean, that's that's nothing to, to be super depressed about. It's it's a really cool, you know, stepping stone. It's good. okay, so we gotta we gotta fix some things, we gotta change some things around, but but there's life, you know, there there's hope for this project. And so so you launched the second campaign in March of twenty sixteen, so a little bit less than a year later. So tell me about the process of that, you know, was it nine months or you know, less than a year. Uh tell me about what you did during that time to kinda get the game uh, ready to launch again. Sure. Well, obviously what we started, you know, started with first was getting that feedback from the community. What, what, what exactly do we need to improve here? You know, uh, so what we did is we went to board game beat. We, we, you know, uh, launched a poll there, um, basically asking, um, you know, if you didn't back this game, uh, you saw the campaign, you didn't back it. Um, you know, what, re- what were the reasons why, or that kept you from backing it? Um, so we gave, I think it was about 10 different, um, you know, answers to that multiple choice, open, you know, open answer. Um, and we got so much wonderful feedback. Um, you know, I, I try to think of every possible 
issue that could have been with a campaign and I put that as an answer. Even if it wasn't something I thought may have been a factor, I still put it anyway because and I was surprised. It was like, you know, it wasn't exactly what we expected. Um, the number one reason was, let me see, I've got this up right now. Um, they said they weren't sure how it differentiated from other Forex games in the genre. That was the number one reason. Um, so obviously we needed to, you know, hone in on our hook, the game, the hook of the game, uh, our pitch, what exactly differentiates this game from other games like Eclipse and Twilight Perium. Uh, we weren't doing that well enough with the other campaign. And another, you know, big factor obviously was the goal, $40,000. That's a lot to ask for a first time publisher. You know, people don't know your name. They don't know who you are. You come out with $40,000 goal. You don't have that trust built up yet. So that was an issue. And then also the price point, you know, we were, we had our uh, premium edition was at $79 and the base game was at 59. Again, uh, high price points for a first time publisher. So that was risky. Gotcha, man. That's a, that's a lot of valuable information right there. Um, so if you're listening at home, please be taking notes. Cause there's, that's, that's like the, the difference between, you know, being successful the first time and not. And I think there's so much value in, in that survey and going to people and asking, you know, as designers, whether you're in, if you're writing a book, you're designing a game, you're doing art, whatever it is, it's so easy to just assume that you know what people want. Like, this game is fun to me, so it's going to be fun to other people. They're going to love it. It's going to be fine. And to never actually get into a community and ask and get their feedback. Or, on the other side, people do ask, but they don't really care. You know, like, they ask just because they're supposed to, and then the people give them feedback, and they're like, oh, no, you're wrong. Well, right. no, it's like, not what you want to hear, but it's true. Yeah. And honestly, like, the, the board game community, they're very honest, and... Yeah. What ninety nine percent of the time, what they say is accurate. So absolutely, and it's hard. Take that feedback. It's hard as a designer when you have this game, like your game. You worked on this thing for two years. Like this is your two year old child. This is your toddler at this point. And then for people to say you got an ugly toddler, you got an ugly baby. It's like, oh man, like it, it hurts. But you have to go through that process if you're really going to create something special, create something uh, that's worthy of people's time. You got to go through that process. And so you got the feedback. Now the art changed as well in the, the next one. So so tell me the thought process on that. Why did you change the art? Because I mean it it upgraded substantially. Yeah, actually, um, yeah, the art. You know, we found that it wasn't really in line with the, the feel of what we wanted the game to be. We wanted this sort of gritty, um, serious sci-fi adventure. And the art, the aliens were too nice looking, basically. Artists did a great job, um, but the aliens, they didn't quite, uh, they weren't in line with the feel of the game that we wanted. And also Jamie Stegmeier gave us some feedback. He said, you know, that was one of the things he recommended was change the art because he agreed it wasn't matching the feel of the game um so anything anytime he gives you f feedback it's like yeah you listen you know what he says absolutely yeah absolutely so. amen <laughs> gotcha so so you got upgraded the art what else did you change uh, about the game between project one and project two or campaign one and campaign two right uh well obviously the main thing was the goal we cut we cut our goal in half that was huge um and the price point, we dropped the price points by $10 each version. Um, so by doing that, you know, the base game was at $59 before. We found that a lot of people, a lot of the feedback, the open-ended questions that we got on Working Geek was 
a lot of people would not back a game if it was over $50. That was sort of like their budget, their, their max point. Um, so we wanted to have a price point that was at least $50 or lower to not exclude that part of the market. Um, so that was another thing. Um, redesign the art. Um, and we also sort of redesigned some of the aspects of the game to be able to better hone in on our hook mm-hmm. and how the game would be differentiated from those other four, 4X games. Uh, so that's where we kind of sort of added a, a more cooperative element. And that's where Joe Pocus came in. He decided to, you know, add a more cooperative element. That that would definitely uh, put us in a different niche, um, sort of differentiate the game. Gotcha. And then also, you know, looking at your, your second campaign, just the project page, it's got a lot more stuff, man. Like there's videos and how to play videos and review videos and all sorts of uh, more, way more pictures than the first one had, way more information. Now, did you... Did, why did you add so much stuff? Where did you learn to go, okay, we need to add a lot more to the project page? Well, a lot of, you know, another issue with the first campaign is a lot of people were still unclear on how the game played. Um, they weren't sure exactly what it was. You know, what is this? How does it play? Um, it, was, it was sort of different. They, um, so we didn't have enough information. We didn't have enough reviews. We didn't have enough videos, enough description of the gameplay. Um, so that's kind of where we, you know, start adding more to help backers better understand exactly what the game was. Gotcha. How much time do you think you put into that second project page? Oh, man, I started setting up probably uh, sometime in October of 2015. So, yeah. Okay, Good. so five, almost six months. Almost six months, yeah. Right, okay. And so the first one you put in, what was it, about three? About three months, Okay, yeah. so you doubled the time, and that's what people don't understand. You know, putting together a project page is a, is a job in and of itself. That's just, you know, creating the game, having an awesome idea is awesome, but the project page is what sells your game. Exactly. So, you know, the ordering of things, the listing, the, ty- the you know, the headers, everything had to be very precise, and it had to really, really, really be perfect yeah. all around. Gotcha. So you get it all ready to go. It's all squared away. You got all this information, all these videos, all these things. It looks good. Everything's working out well. And then you go hit that launch button. What are you feeling in that moment of hitting that button to launch the thing for the second time? Um, well, excitement. You know, we're really excited um, because, you know, obviously, you know, we're excited because we planned so much in advance. So we knew this time. Well, we for one, we knew what our initial crowd size was going to be this time. And that's that's a that's an issue. Anytime a first, you're a first time publisher, you really don't know what your initial crowd size is. You can kind of speculate, uh, but until you launch that campaign, you don't really know. So coming in the second time around, we knew, okay, we can expect at least this amount of people to back within the first 48 hours. And so having now dropped our goal in half, literally, we knew, okay, we can we can expect at least 50% funding in the first two days. And that would set us on the right track, give us the right momentum we needed to, you know, hit our goal. Yeah. And so, um, so we were excited. So the second campaign, you had 1,512 backers and raised $105,673. I mean, that's just, that's incredible. Yeah. Like, I mean, wow. Honestly, you know, we didn't have ex- expectations when we were mm-hmm. going in. Um, the only expectation we wanted to have was that, we would reach our goal, mm-hmm. and maybe if we're lucky, you know, reach a few, hit a few stretch goals. Uh, we didn't want to speculate too much, um, but certainly 
you know, that definitely, uh, you know, blew our expectations. We weren't expecting to go that high. Um, so yeah, you crushed really it. Exciting. You crushed yeah, it for sure. I mean, and you, you added, I mean, 11, a little over 1100 backers and $80,000 in that second campaign. Now, if you, if you were going to just talk to somebody and give them like the top two or three main things, main reasons why, you know, kind of, if you could order those for somebody that's really working right now or somebody that that's failed in a, in a campaign and wanting to relaunch it, what are the kind of the two or three main things that they should focus on to relaunch that thing to success? Um, first and foremost, I think that you need to hit a certain percentage of your funding goal within the first two days, because, you know, we discussed, like we said, you discussed the mid campaign, it's going to hit. And when it does, you need to be at a certain percentage or else you're not going to have the momentum you need to keep going and hit your goal. So for us, you know, we were, we knew we need, we wanted to be at 50% by the end of the second day. So if you know your initial crowd size, um, you know, basically people that are guaranteed to back your core reward within the first 48 hours. If you know that number, you can sort of set your goal around that. Um, so 50% is a little bit, you know, it's, it's, it's a little high for most people. Most people will tell you more like 25, 30% at the end of the first 48 hours. But for us, you know, in order to have that guarantee, we wanted to hit 50%. Um, so that, that's a big thing. The funding goal, you know, versus your initial crowd size, that's huge. You gotta have that momentum. And, uh, so having that right ratio is very critical. Also, um, having excellent art. Um, there's, look at all the games out there you're competing with. Um, you know, if you're going to offer your game at $40, look at what other games are being offered at $40 and what their art looks like, what they're offering. You've got to compete with these games, these big companies, you know, cool mini or not, uh, people that are established, people are, you're competing with those people. So um, you want to have something that looks every bit as presentable. And also you want to make sure your game uh, is clearly uh, defined and differentiated among similar games that are out there. So what's different about your game? Yeah, definitely. All right, so build community. Make sure you build the community on the front end to know how many people, you know, so there's no guesswork. So build the community. Invest in your game with art and graphic design. I mean, that cannot be understated. If a game doesn't look any good, people assume that it's not any good. That's just how right. we are as, as humans, as people. Top notch. Right. People will judge the mess out of your game by its cover. And by what the, the cards look like and the, the board or the tiles, whatever, they're going to judge it. And so, you know, it's, we, we can get mad at people as designers. Well, they've never even played it. They don't even know if it's any good. It, that's irrelevant. Does the game look like it's any good? And so, you know, what I've told people in the past is if you really believe in your game, you're going to invest in it. And if that means you have to invest $1,000 or, you know, whoever, however much money it takes to invest in art and all that, you're going to do that because you believe in your game. You know, and if you're not willing to invest in that in, in the art of the graphic design and invest your own resources, invest your own money, then you don't actually believe in your game. And so that kind of can separate people as well. I mean, that's, that's some good stuff. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking into uh, maybe doing a Kickstarter of my own and I'm over here taking, taking notes, just trying to <laughs> try to learn from all this. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we were talking Absolutely. earlier. Failure is such an incredible teacher. It's, it's the best teacher. Failure teaches it us really more is. than anything else in the world. It gives you so much determination. Too. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, what, what did what did Bruce Wayne always get told? Why do we fall down so we can pick ourselves back up? You know, right, exactly. uh, little Batman reference. Uh, 
But what I also tell people is, you know, failure is the best teacher, but it doesn't necessarily have to be your failure. Like learn from other people's failure. Learn right, from right, other, exactly. Yeah, and, and just kind of learn how to recycle uh, what they did well and, and, and change what they didn't do so well and, and apply that to your own processes and whatnot. Well, cool, Mike. Man, I really appreciate you you being on the show. Is there anything else you would add? Or, you know, if, if let's, let's pretend I'm launching a Kickstarter here pretty soon. Anything that you would tell me just to kind of motivate me or give me some good advice or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, if you fail, don't don't give up. Just be persistent. A lot of people are quick to give up after their Kickstarter fails, but look at us. I mean, if we would have given up, we would never would have made it. And and look what we did on our relaunch. Uh, we were persistent. We believed in what we were doing. If you believe, like you just said, if you believe in your game and what you're doing, don't give up on it. Be persistent um, and understand that it's going to take a lot of work. Um, what you put into something, you get out of it. So if you don't put a lot of time into something, don't expect to get a lot out of it. Um, but if you believe in it, be willing to put the time into it, you can do it. It's going to work. Um, you can make it big. So Awesome. Awesome. And Mike, you've got a great story. Uh, you know, this Phoenix rising from the ashes didn't, you know, it didn't succeed the first time, but you, you, you rose above it and you succeeded the second time. That's awesome. Congratulations. When's the, when's the game coming out? Uh, we're uh, actually manufacturing is uh, supposed to be wrapping up this week. So um, we, sh- we expect delivery to be sometime in January at this point. Awesome, man. Well, good luck with that. I hope it sells out. Hope you have to do Thank another print much. run and, and, you know, have some cool expansions or anything like that we coming sure out. So. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. Well, cool. Well, well, that's our show. Mike's going to hang around for a little bit uh, in the bonus round, the bonus material we're going to put together for each show. And um, Mike's going to tell us about aliens. We're going to talk about how he creates aliens, You know what his process is for creating aliens that are, uh, that are cool, that are engaging, that are different, and all that. So if you're working on a space game right now, uh, head on over to the website BoardGameDesignLab.com to check out this bonus material where Mike uh, teaches us how to create some cool aliens. So anyway, thank you all for listening. Mike, thanks for being on the show, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you, Gabe. Thanks for listening. Find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at BoardGameDesignLab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?